You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Comic Book Informer. We are here for issue 154 on January 7th. And how are you handling that cold weather, Raj? Shut up. <laughs> Nobody likes you on Twitter anymore. Nobody likes Nobody you. liked me to begin with. Yeah, but now it's like there's a vendetta against you. <laughs> I'm I'm merely trying to empathize with your pain. I you mean, are I had not. To put, I had to put on sweatpants. Dude, it was colder in our house. Well, the furnace was out during the cold snap, then you were bitching about outside. And you want sympathy? I wasn't looking for sympathy. I, I was just, just you trying. You looking to be a troll. That's just trying to all. connect with, with uh, our northern people. No, you weren't. No, that's not connecting. Oh, yeah, sure. Freaking put a, a little cardigan sweater on because it's a, it's a might bit nippy out here in Florida, but we're going to go swimming later. Shut so, up. Do you, do you have any idea how long it took me to find my hoodie to go to work still, today? Still, you're looking for sympathy with your freaking hoodie problems? <laughs> Meanwhile, pets are freezing to death outside because it's so damn cold? No sympathy for you, jackass. I'm not even bleeping that out. <laughs> Why'd you have to take it there, Roger? <laughs> It's for the puppies. <laughs> Think of the puppies. My dog. <laughs> well, yours is a short hair too, but mine is like, it's like human hair and it's fairly thin. And she's got like no hair on her belly kind of thing. She just this, she's a Morky. So it's a Yorkie Maltese mix. And, uh, and so <laughs> she goes outside when it's like really cold. It's like a beeline P beeline back. <laughs> There ain't no screwing around smelling for what's the best spot. <laughs> Squat, drop, get it done, get the hell back inside. And then she's like shivering for two minutes afterwards. <laughs> Gives you that look like, are you sure I can't just go here? Yeah. I'd feel bad if she wasn't such a pain in the ass. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, before we get into discussion, a couple cool little news things just crossed my uh, my board here. Uh, Marvel announced their, I don't want to call it a big event, but their next event of sorts. I think it's starting up in April. It's called Original Sin, uh, written by uh, Jason Aaron, art by Mike Diodato. And pretty much right from the premise, it's definitely a, hey, Vince, you're going to want to read this. An intergalactic detective story God. where an assembly, assembly of Avengers and other characters have to solve the murder mystery of who killed the Watcher. Man, yeah, that that's a Vince thing. <laughs> I, I, don't get me wrong; I like detective stories. It's just unfortunately, all too often, they are not original detective stories, and they just come off as cheesy and stupid. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, true. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not expecting any big plot twists yeah. in this one. So, but also uh, caught in the uh, under the noise of all that, they did another one of their famous, you know, one word teasers from Marvel. Uh, this one is called Weapon, and judging by the colors with the uh, the gold and the brown, I'm assuming it's something Wolverine-related. And normally that wouldn't be that important of a deal, but uh, we were just discussing a couple months ago, not even, I think, when we were talking about Spider-Man Rain, how we both really enjoyed Kari Andrews, and we're wondering if he was going to come back to comics. Uh, 
Well, his is the name attached to that teaser. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so suddenly my that, interest went up. Yeah, exactly. That takes what could be, you know, a typical Wolverine whatever and goes, I'm now very interested in seeing what happens there. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, as for our actual discussion this week, uh, we're, I wanted to cover the latest of the Marvel Infinite comics. Uh, we had the Wolverine, what was it called? Uh, World's Deadliest or something like that. That uh, ran during the summer, and I, did you even read it? Because I, I read like one issue and went, yeah, Japan's most wanted. Okay. Yeah, it didn't really do much for me, and I gave up after I think two issues. I actually read a bunch of them, um, but not all of them, not by any stretch of the imagination, and I kind of lost interest after a while too. But it's just there's so many goddamn freaking Wolverine stories right now. Like mm-hmm. there's too many single issue Wolverine stories out there to keep up with and they're not all good. Some of them are just bad. I'm sorry, but yeah. it's true. I, I'm not digging all of them. So I, I'm trying to stick with the ones that I'm really enjoying. And then of course, Wolverine is peeps and that's about it. Yeah. And that one really didn't do much to separate itself from the pack. And then, no, to, no, it didn't. Yeah. And then today, uh, actually they just launched the first issue of, their third infinite series, uh, Deadpool the Gauntlet, which I have not checked out yet. Yeah, you're However, not make me read that. in between the two, we had the Iron Man series titled Fatal Frontier, uh, written initially by Kieran Gillen, and then he handed the reins over to Al Ewing. Uh, Kieran Gillen, of course, is who's writing the ongoing Iron Man story. So I guess he was just there to line up the continuity and make sure everything was in place before uh, letting Ewing run with it. And since it came out weekly, a number of artists, uh, most prominently Carmine de Giannomenico, Lan Medina, and Neil Edwards, which I actually haven't seen Lan Medina in a long time. It was really cool to see his art back in uh, Marvel. And first of all, when you're doing these, uh, especially Marvel's digital comics, they do it, uh, you know, kind of like that, that style that Mark Wade really, I don't want to say pioneered, but at least brought forth with the panel transitions and a lot of cool stuff like that. Basically, digital comics that aren't meant to ever be reprinted, whereas DC's digital comics are always coming out uh, in a printed version somewhere down the line. And I'm so done with that. It's unbelievable. I, I like it when it's done well. Just over the course of this series, it was not done very well very often. Well, like there were there were some cool bits, um, like when they did the the whole heist thing, seeing the scenes playing out from different angles and with the way the panels transition, it was legitimately different angles. Uh, some of the stuff with uh, foreground and background focus, I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. But most of the time, it was just three quarters of a blank page with one panel. And then the next panel and then the next panel. It wasn't a transition. It was just you, you could have done that all at once as a regular comic page. Adding the panels one at a time did not add anything to the story. And it just gets overdone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. all that's in. Like each episode is just full of that or episode, each issue. I mean, and it, it just gets to be too much. It's like cut it out. Like it's I'm sorry, but I'm again, I'm I'm done with that. It's yeah. It's, like I said, I. I have a hard time reading this style of comic when it's not done by Mark Wade, plain and simple. Like I, I've still been reading the uh, God, I just completely lost the the name, the, whatever the what, insufferable, the one on Thrillbent, and it's not always used to that effect. But when there's a time where he can use it to really enhance the story, it is put in. But exactly. aside from that, it's it's largely traditional and. It's cool because it's doing something that you can only do digitally, but it's not doing it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. I, again, not impressed. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, as you mentioned before we started up here, I guess you were not a big fan of this. I, I, I like Iron Man. I just I really enjoy the character and I've been reading the Iron Man ongoing. So this is really picking up kind of right where the uh, Iron Man ongoing is right now. So it was cool to see this isn't a spinoff. This isn't a side story. Well, it is a side story, but it's really a continuation of the core ongoing comic. But I'm assuming you haven't been reading it. No, I haven't. And there's there's a lot of problems that I have with the story, the concept. Periodically, some of the art, a lot of it, and I will get into that as we're talking about each issue and whatnot, but there were too many things for me to be really not impressed with that overall mm-hmm. as a package. I read six and gave up. I'm I'm not interested in reading anymore at all. Okay. I will fully admit there are a lot of problems with the story and a, a lot of plot points and stuff, but it was just one of those things where I didn't care. I It was fun. Like I enjoyed seeing this character in this setting and I was willing to kind of deal with the, the dumb to get to the cool stuff. Well, I mean, just from a, a, a thematic standpoint, you've got a series that's trying to be both a heist movie as well as a Western. That doesn't really blend all that well. And plus, it's not even really trying to blend it. It's just trying to do everything. And neither of those work either. The quote-unquote Western, I'm the sheriff thing, just got so annoying so fast. And it's it's not like a Western sheriff story at all. At all, mm. at all, at all. It's a sci-fi kind of thing. And then the whole heist thing was so poorly executed beginning to end that I couldn't get behind it. There's so many things about a heist movie that they didn't do here. All they did was keep referencing a heist movie and how this was like a heist movie. But I can call a freaking apple an orange all day. It ain't going to make it an orange. And this was not a heist movie. There, I mean, there's there's no buildup to the heist except to talk about heist movies. There's no <laughs> mention that there's going to be a heist. There's no lead up to what it is that's going to be stolen. It's just all of a sudden, oh, there's a, 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 a heist going on right now. <laughs> Well, okay. Like, so there's a lot of things that it's trying to be that it's failing miserably at. Yeah, the the whole, the whole heist aspect was actually just for that one specific little plot lining. It's just issues five, six, and seven. And like, that was it. It was a, a self-contained Well, that's half of what I've read. Arc. That's, not, yeah. that's not that little. That's still enough. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely with you. Three issues, like, it should have at least worked within its own realm. And yeah, I think it reached a little farther than it was able to achieve. And like, I don't know. That's one of the things that I did kind of enjoy. Like I said, I, I'm not saying this was a, a good read, fantastically written. I was just saying I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it because it is constantly switching gears and you never really know what's going to happen from issue to issue. And it was kind of that roller coaster ride that kept me going along with it through the end. See, the thing is, see, I like Heist movies as well. I really a good heist movie. Oh, I love that. But if it's not good, then you're picking it apart constantly, which mm-hmm. takes you completely out of the story, out of the moment, and it's not about enjoying it. It's about picking what's bad about it. And so, 
there's a lot of that here. And then the whole bit that they make such a big deal about explaining how it happened. Well, in a good heist story, when they explain how it happens, it makes sense. It's believable. <laughs> Splitting your brain in three is not believable, even for freaking Tony. And there's too many things like that where it's like, this was pulled so far out of the left field, you're not making it work. So when you have something that, again, they're making a big deal about this being part of this three-story, three-issue arc, in addition to the whole Western freaking thing, then it has to work. And if it doesn't, then you've got three issues that you've got to muddle through because it's crap. All right. So establishing what we're looking at here for the story, this takes place uh, right after the Secret Origin uh, storyline that they did in the main Iron Man comic where Tony has just returned to Earth from his time out in space. And instantly he's getting missiles shot at Earth <laughs> from the moon, they find out. Yeah. So it's time to go up there and investigate. And right here is, uh, I, I will fully admit, one of my biggest problems with the storyline where Iron Man is the only person that can get to the moon. Yeah. I, that way, really? Yeah, but it keeps going like that. He's the only one left there afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, he has to refit some of his old armor to get up there because you know nobody else can make it there in time. And back, again, I was like, can't Thor or like Captain Marvel just fly there in like a minute? <laughs> it, it, it's a pretty stupid plot point that requires an incredible suspension of disbelief to move along with the story. And it it was stupid. It didn't work. Like I. Like I said, even though I enjoyed it, I'm more than willing to point out the parts of the story that did not work. Oh, and yeah. that was a big one. That was a huge one. Yes. So he gets up there and he finds this robot thing that was sent up there by the Russians uh, in the 70s called Udarnik, the shock worker. And it's this – it was basically sent up there to, to build a moon base and then protect it from the Americans. And it got sad and it got lonely because everybody left the moon. <laughs> it got up there all – it was left up there all alone. And – Basically, this was its way of taking out its revenge. I don't know, work, working out its, its abandonment issues with the Earth by saying, if I fire missiles at you, you'll come back and I'll have friends again. <laughs> okay, plot point number two that we have a problem with already. I didn't have oh, so much of a God. problem with that one. I, really? Know, whatever. This, this freaking thing that becomes sentient and then overpowered with the moon juices? You didn't have a problem with that. It's it, it was a very old school approach to complex storytelling. Just throw some crazy stuff out there and, and go along with it. So I didn't have much of a problem with it. Oh man, I am disappointed, Vince. <laughs> well, but our our big plot issue here is that a lot of stuff has happened on the moon in the history of the Marvel universe. You know, the, from the Shi'ar and the Phoenix to the Inhumans, and y you name it, it's happened on the moon. And over time, the various uh, metals on the moon have absorbed numerous different types of incredibly powerful energies. And the white event, which was uh, what we saw at the end, end of uh, Age of Ultron when everything in the universe went haywire, basically triggered the stuff to become active, creating a new element called phlogistone, which is immensely powerful and everybody on Earth is going to want it because it's the new height of technology. <sighs> Okay, it, it works as a plot device, but I, I think they probably could have done a little better. What is it that you did enjoy about this? Because, quite frankly, these are major plot points. 
I I know I didn't like them, but I'm curious if you like the series. It, I, I it's it's hard to explain, but like <laughs> I had fun reading it. Like it, it, like I said, it it was like reading an old comic from like the 70s or the 80s, where it's just here's a bunch of big dumb stuff happening. Have fun with it. Okay, that, that's it, how it I was see it. That's big exactly dumb how stuff. I see that's it. for damn sure. So at this point, now everybody is on the moon trying to mine this stuff. Set up a an Old West style, like you said, is how they try to portray it. You know, mining town called Tranquility Gulch, and put Iron Man in charge as sheriff as the town. I, I as dumb as it was, I liked it. It, like I said, it's it was something that you would have seen years ago. Of hey, I got a good idea for a story. Let's make Tony Stark, Tony Stark, sheriff of the moon. It's like okay, print it. <laughs> it, it it's just. It's something that I didn't think we would see in this day and age. Because it sucks? Because it's a bad idea? Because it makes no sense? (laughs) Stop me when I touch on one that maybe you agree with. (laughs) Again, the execution (laughs) might leave something to be desired. But as as a a core concept, it's just something I can enjoy, yes. Because the... (laughs) This this isn't one of those episodes where I'm trying to talk you into liking this because, like I said, I acknowledge it has issues, but despite those issues, I still thought it was a lot of fun. Alrighty. Unfortunately, we find out there's a bit of a problem with the phlogistone. I'm not going to say that word anymore. The moon stuff. <laughs> that it has an effect that basically poisons anybody that comes in contact with it, including, as we find out, Tony Stark. It's basically going to lead to his death after various hallucinations and psychological issues. So he comes to the realization that nobody can get this stuff. He has to scare everybody away, find a way to destroy it. This can't get back to Earth. And this brings us to really an interesting plot point that has been a recurring theme with Iron Man, where we saw it in uh, the first story arc uh, that uh, Kieran Gillen did when he took over Iron Man. And that's that was with the extremist virus, how, you know, he he knows that he can't let this get out there. So despite the fact that some of the people who have come to it have good intentions for the greater good, he feels that it can't exist as as part of society. So he went out there. He took the extremists away from everybody who had it. And we have the same thing here. And they brought in a lot of the characters from that same story arc that got smacked down by Iron Man because as they saw it, he said they couldn't have the technology. And that's where you have the pushback of you have all these people in the tech industry who some are evil, you know, some are good, but they keep seeing Iron Man as this, you know, guy throwing his weight around. He's the only one that's allowed to have all the fancy technology. So he keeps taking the toys away from everybody else where in his mind, you know, he might have the best intentions. That's arguable over whether or not he does. Although in this case, we can see that, yes, obviously this is not something that is fit for human consumption, if you will. But with that track record that he's had, not just with the extremists going back years and years in the comics, with that track record that Stark has built up of taking everybody's toys away, People are kind of over it and not willing to go along with with everything he's trying to do here. And I, I liked that story element. Well, that's something that's it doesn't make you like him. Like no, and the I, whole bit too that like he's talk- Tony Stark is the most unlikable popular comic character in history. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why people keep reading his stuff though. When they're making a big deal, like he's making a big deal too about how good just how good his tech is 
out there in space and, and like it would make Reed Richard pause. And I'm thinking, shut up, dude. <laughs> have, have you not been in his little lab? Okay, Reed, like smartest dude on the planet. I'm thinking he could probably grasp this. And while Tony may be fully aware of that himself, it's that aspect of his character, that ego, that he refuses to admit that. Yeah, he's an asshole. I'm not bleeping that out either. (laughs) (laughs) Whether his stuff actually is the best or not, he has to believe that it is. That's That's one of the core concepts of his character. Yeah, whatever. So then we have all the various ways that he's basically taking out the competition here. As we saw, there was the uh, the heist thing that I'm not going to go into too many of the details of, but I, I, I think you're going to want a minute to discuss just why it didn't work. Well, it's like I said. I mean, a heist movie, a heist story, novel, whatever it is, you need to have a massive buildup to what is being stolen. Okay. There has to be something where there's that ultimate goal. Then there has to be all of the information about all of the precautions that are there to guard said jewels, money, whatever it is. Then you have the information about the team or the person that's going to be making the heist, what it is that they bring to the table in order to get through said precautions. And then you have to have the problems that occur when there's the heist attempt or whatever, which winds up being a veil because they'd already planned for that. And then you have, you get told what actually happened. It's fairly formulaic. It's not hard to do in terms of understanding the steps that you need along the way. None of that's done here. There's no buildups whatsoever. There's talk of how great heist movies are, and then there's talk that there's a heist. And then there's a, oh, this is how it's done, which is completely implausible or anything that you could believe, anything that you could even remotely say, okay, I'm going to turn my brain off and allow this to to make sense. None of that, at least for me. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And then the whole bit about how to with the, the, the freaking little Iron Tron, Iron Man Tron do. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God. God, that was a facepalm moment there. So there was too many things along the way that just did not work at all, at all, at all. It was, it was so, it, this was someone who has no concept of what a good high story is trying to impress us with what they think is a good high story. Because in the, again, in, in each issue, it's like, really pushing this to make it sound like this is phenomenal. This is a great story, high story. No, it's not. It's a pile of steam and crap. Yeah. The, the, the central point of any good high story is the part at the end where you realize that everything we were led to believe was completely wrong from the first place. And yeah, that's what makes the story really work. And you can only get that with, like you said, all the buildup that leads to it. I think what they did here with the, the three different sides that, that happened over the course of those issues would have worked on their own if they didn't keep drawing that comparison to you know your traditional heist stories. Because like you said, this isn't your traditional heist story. If it had just been a, you know, a misdirection of, oh, no, that's not how it really happened. This is how it really happened. Well, no, this is actually what was going on. 
if they hadn't kept drawing those connections, I think it would have been a little more successful because, like you said, what we were expecting, what we were promised wasn't what we were given. Not by a long shot. Yeah. I, 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 again, I can't argue that. But again, I still found it fun overall. I didn't. Not at all. Obviously. <laughs> so where we go after uh, this particular you know, heist story happens is, okay, he's taken out two of his now biggest competitors in, in the, uh, the moon stuff <laughs> industry. However, we see that things aren't quite done yet. Uh, of course, Dr. Freaking Doom is on the moon. And this, this is probably why I like the story, because you know I am an absolute mark for Dr. Doom. <laughs> I, I will uh, unabashedly love pretty much anything he is in. And we have such a great dynamic between Doom and Stark that very rarely happens in the comics. But when it does, it's always great because it goes back to, you know, adventures they had, you know, back in Arthurian times. And I think it was the 70s when when that storyline happened. And I love the two characters together. They play off each other so well, both completely arrogant, completely sure of themselves, both completely wrong half the time. So when the story takes that twist into the, into where things are going combined with the fact that the moon juice is now significantly affecting Tony's persona. And he's really the, as I say, one of the symptoms is megalomania and he's completely sure of himself and the way that he's approaching, you know, his role as sheriff and seeing how horribly wrong things are actually going when he, in his, demented state thinks that he's doing the right thing everything is working out you know exactly how it needs to be as the story keeps progressing and tony himself becomes less and less you know trustworthy of a character but more sure of himself i that's where the story really started kicking in for me and that's what really kept me going through because you know dr doom's happening then you've got you know the alien robot well, not alien the russian robot is now turning on him stark's getting worse it, as the the entire story keeps spiraling down. I actually felt as it went on, things picked up for me personally. This is quite a bit then after what I read, because like yes. I said, I stopped at six and that was enough. And, and I can't blame you for that, but I, I kept reading. And for me personally, for you know some of the things I enjoy, despite you know their actual quality, I actually really ended up really liking how the story continued and then ended. Okay. <laughs> that's about as much enthusiasm as you're gonna get out of me <laughs> so what you're saying is i'm probably gonna have little chance getting you to read the deadpool <laughs> after the last two episodes you're joking right i ain't reading that crap I'm sorry. <laughs> ain't gonna happen my friend you know you said i ain't reading that crap so many times pretty soon we're gonna run out of comics to talk about yeah the problem is is i read it anyway Try to be a good boy and read it, even though it's terrible, and I know it's going to be terrible. All right. So that's going to wrap up that particular discussion. Moving on to what we're reading. I actually have a lot of uh, lesser-known titles to talk about this week because, like I said, Marvel and DC have pretty much taken the last couple weeks off between Christmas and New Year's. A few releases here and there, some solid stuff, but nothing really amazing to talk about. Uh, First of all is Manifest Destiny from Image Comics. I talked about this because it seemed like something pretty interesting to, to me, and I, I'm actually loving this. It's an absolute blast. It's a fictional interpretation of Lewis and Clark's uh, Passage to the West, which 
in uh, the early 1800s after America basically bought everything west of the Mississippi from France. They sent these two guys, uh, Meriwether Lewis and I forget Clark's first name off the top of my head, to go explore it. And they came back as these big American heroes. Well, there's been a conspiracy theory surrounding this for hundreds of years now. And I love a good, dumb conspiracy theory, regardless of whether I think it's true. And I don't, but it's still a lot of fun to to follow the the trail and see where people came up with these ideas. Because shortly after the journey, uh, Meriwether Lewis actually committed suicide. And there's a lot of supposed evidence to the fact that he was actually murdered. He didn't kill himself. First and foremost being, if you're killing yourself, you're probably not going to shoot yourself in the stomach and then in the head. So <laughs> the first shot didn't work very well. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a pretty crappy way to kill myself. I've screwed this up. <laughs> Let me reload my flintlock pistol and try it again. <laughs> uh, however, this takes it. Uh, and then, then there's a conspiracy of, you know, why was he killed? What did they see out west that, you know, they, they now know too much? Why did he have to be taken out? So this takes this to the complete extreme uh, by adding in all of these supernatural elements and stuff that, I mean, it's, it's completely not even remotely factually based. Right there, the beginning of the first issue, they're heading through St. Louis, which they never went through in <laughs> their original trail, and find this giant structure uh, of like trees growing together shaped like the Gateway Arch. And it's this mystical ground. They get attacked by a buffalo centaur. Like, it's ridiculous, but it's my kind of ridiculous <laughs> it's bringing in a lot of uh, Native American folklore stuff to it and just it's it's got just enough truth to it that the crazier it gets the more interesting it becomes hmm. cool next we have uh, Burn the Orphanage Burn to, Born to Lose you know what I still uh, haven't read that Yes, I, I, I talked about the first issue when it came out mm-hmm. a few months ago and how is it? I said the story was practically non-existent. The characters were completely one dimensional, but it was a fun reinterpretation of the classic beat em up games. There was, like I said, there was a lot of Final Fight and Streets of Rage stuff in there. So with the second issue, they went, OK, we did the, the side scrolling beat em ups. Now we're going to do fighting games. And the second issue was basically a takeoff on the Mortal Kombat formula of these warriors are summoned from, you know, around the world to fight in this tournament for the future of Earth. And it's the exact same setup, like I said, the exact same characters, bare glimmers of a story holding it all together, but as somebody who loved those old games, it really works. It was a lot of fun to read. Hmm. And then finally, we have Stray Bullets. Uh, David Lapham, the creator of Stray Bullets, announced on Twitter a couple weeks ago that uh, he was bringing the comic back. It had been published for several years as an indie comic. And then he was partnering with Image to A, republish all of the old issues, and then B, continue on with it. And I was like, okay, I've, I've heard of it, but I'd never read it. And the entire internet exploded. All of these, you know, creators, writers, critics, what ex- ecstatic that it was coming back. Apparently, this is something that they were all really into back when it happened. So I was like, all right, I probably have to check this out. So on Comixology, you can actually download and read the first four issues for absolutely free. Still up there. I checked uh, a half hour ago to make sure. So I checked out the first four issues, and it's not an easy read. (laughs) At least these first four issues, Stray Bullets is a pure crime comic. There is no redeeming quality to anything happening here, at least, again, as these first four issues. It's a lot of bad people doing a lot of bad stuff, but... 
it gives you that shred of this is why these things are happening. You know, this is why these people have ended up in this place. Some of them are legitimately bad people. Some of them are people who really weren't given much else of an opportunity in life. And this is just where they ended up. So crime comics are never a very easy read. Uh, you have to take, at least for me, I take them in very small doses. So reading all four issues in one night was kind of a lot to take in. But uh, if that's the kind of thing you're into, then, yeah, these first four issues were pretty good within that genre. Cool. All right. And what have you got for us? Actually, I'm not even going to waste time with it because the stuff that I've been reading, I just went through a whole bunch of stuff that I'd been putting off that I hadn't read yet. A lot of them that you'd already mentioned, like that um, the Captain Marvel one, uh, I believe it's number 17, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Um, the Wolvenus Pete's Annual. Oh, God. Which was so bloody good. And I hate that character. But again, here we have it where a good writer can do something fantastic, even with a character that you don't like. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm not going to, again, these are all ones that we've already discussed, so no sense going over it again. All right. But I've been watching a lot of anime. We're going to have to have another anime episode on Popcorn <laughs> Ronin because, dude, <laughs> I need to say things about some of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little bit more cross promotion. Um, everybody should check out Vince's review that he did on The Wolf Among Us. If you're not sure what that is, that is the Telltale Games uh, game based off of the Fable comic book series from Vertigo. So we haven't done much talking about the Fable series. However, Vince reviewed the the game, and we are big fans of Telltale Games games. They're they're quite good. Um, so make sure to go to internetdragons.tv and, and read that. I'm actually working on the, I've got it about half done, the review of the second, the first episode of the second season of The Walking Dead, which is, oh my God, it's so good. Have you had a chance to play it yet? Not yet. Dude, it's amazing. I loved it. Clementine, oh, still not bitten. <laughs> That'll make sense when you watch. <laughs> I need to restock the alcohol before I just play through those. No, you need to restock your depression medication. <laughs> like I said, I need to restock the alcohol. Anyway, so that's that. All right. Well, then we're jumping into this week's new releases. First of all, from Marvel. This is the first week in a bold new direction for the company. Again, we have all new Marvel Now, point one, number one. Uh, basically just uh, previews of a lot of the new stuff to come up. We also have all new X Factor number one, Avengers World number one, and Black Widow number one. We have Cable and X Force number 18, Cataclysm number three, Deadpool number 22, Iron Man number 20. We have the kickoff of Revolutionary War, which is bringing back some of the old Marvel UK characters uh, with Alpha number one, Re- uh, Thunderbolts number 20, and Young Avengers number 15. I believe that is the final issue of that run. From DC, we have Batman Superman number seven, Detective Comics number 27, which is the big, huge, giant 75th anniversary issue with everybody on the planet working on it. We have Earth 2 number 19, as well as Green Lantern and Swamp Thing number 27. From our smaller publishers, IDW brings us issue four of the Star Trek Con miniseries that you've yes. been liking so much. And another great week for Image. We have Fatal number 19, Five Ghosts number eight, Invincible Universe number nine, Manifest Destiny, number three, Sex Criminals, number four, and rounding out the list, unfortunately, Walking Dead, number 119. 
I didn't you read. I, I think I haven't read one eighteen yet. I read one nine or one seventeen, and it was so bad. The Did last you, one I read was like one twelve or something. I was like, I, I, I gave it another shot, and I was like, it's still not there for me. I keep trying just because it's The Walking Dead. I know better. I know, and and it's like, and it's not like I'm easily swayed by other people's opinions. If the whole world said it's great, you should read it. I'm still not going to read it if I think it's crap. But in the back of my brain. Because of just how much I loved the series up to 100, maybe 98, 99 kind of thing, I I keep going back to it, hoping. I know he can make it work because he has made it work in the past. It's just that each of these story arcs is terrible. And then what he's doing with the new characters is terrible. <laughs> There's so many things about it that I'm just not enjoying at all. All right, well, as long as you keep looking back, you can be my canary in the coal mine on yeah, this one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Once again, for the plug on the gaming site, if you'd like that stuff, we are internetdragons.tv. So until next time, thanks for listening. 